A young boy, on an errand for his mother, had just bought a dozen eggs. Walking out of the store, he tripped and dropped the sack. All the eggs broke and the sidewalk was a mess. The boy tried not to cry. A few people gathered to see if he was okay and to tell him how sorry they were. Oh no. In the midst of the works of pity, one man handed the boy a quarter. Then he turned to the group and said, I care 25 cents worth. How much do the rest of you care? For the possession of a genuine faith in God is only as valuable as the works that are generated by thy believer in their life of faith. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. In the book of James in the Bible, he points out that words don't mean much if we have the ability to do more. And this week, Charles Tapp continues his series, We've Come This Far by Faith, by explaining that faith by itself, without substance to back it up, doesn't always amount to very much. With part two, the work of faith. Last week we began our sermon series that we've titled, We've Come This Far by Faith. And we've posed the question in this series, how far does faith really take us? We discovered through the Apostle Paul's admonition for us to walk by faith and not by sight, that genuine faith in God allows the believer to experience eternity while never leaving this present age. So to live by faith means that our lives are, are no longer governed by the things that we see. Our lives are no longer governed by the experiences that we have in this life, but rather our lives are governed by the eternity that God allows us to experience by faith even now because living by faith allows you, it allows me to see the bigger picture. It allows us to see the world and to see the people of the world the way God sees them instead of the way we see them. And I'm so glad that God sees me in a way that you will never see me. Amen? So when we walk by faith, we don't see just bits and pieces anymore. We see the bigger picture. As we begin part two of our series, we examine now the relationship of faith and this thing called works. Nowadays, many Christians believe that although they're saved by grace through their faith relationship with Jesus Christ, that somehow there needs to be an addition that takes place. There needs to be an adding of works on our part to complete the salvation that Jesus has given us by his death and resurrection from the cross. Today, I want to begin our series just by reviewing a little bit from what we talked about on last week as we looked at the true essence of faith. And I, and I brought to your attention four dimensions of faith that the author Marcus J. Borg gives in his book, The Heart of Christianity. And he gives us these four dimensions of faith by using four Latin words. The first word that he uses is the word ascensus, 
which simply means faith by an intellectual belief, not an experience, but simply by a belief. But we learned on last week that simply to have an intellectual belief is not enough because James says, listen, even the devils believe. So just the fact that you believe means absolutely nothing. Then he moves to the word fiducia. That's faith as trust. And this is where the disciples failed miserably many times. And Jesus would have to go to them over and over and over again and say, Oh, ye of little what? Faith. Oh, ye of little fiducia. You don't have trust. You don't have an assurance in me nor my power. And the third Latin word is the word fidelitas, which simply means faith as faithfulness. It is in the context of a close or an intimate relationship. And as I mentioned on last week when we dealt with part one, this is where God's people, the children of Israel, they failed miserably. They failed in their fidelitas with God because they always would want to replace God and put other gods before him. And that's why in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, the very first of the Ten Commandments that God gave at Mount Sinai, he made it crystal clear when it came to his faith and our faith relationship with him. He said, you shall have what? No other gods before me. That's talking about faith as faithfulness. And then the fourth and last word that that Bohr gives in his book, The Heart of Christianity. He says, faith is visio. It is vision. It is being able to see the world, being able to see people the way God sees them. And this is that part of faith that gives you and gives me the opportunity to be able to stand courageously in the most difficult and challenging of situations. This is the faith, and I love this in in, in Habakkuk chapter 3, that gave that prophet the ability to say in the most difficult and challenging of situations, though the fig tree does not blossom, though there's no fruit on the vine, though there's no herd in the stall, though the olive crop fail, yet I will still, what? Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he had visio. He had vision. And that's what Paul meant in in 2 Corinthians 5 when he said, listen, I'm in this body and I've got to suffer now. But God has a body for me that one day when he returns, it's going to replace this corruptible body with a body that is incorruptible. I don't have it now, but by faith, visio, I see it. That's what the old Negro slave meant when he said, walking around in the cotton fields in the South, I got shoes, you got shoes, all God's people got shoes. But you look at their feet and all you see is toes. They had no shoes, but they were walking by faith. They had faith as visio, being able to see things from God's point of view. And I'm here to tell you today, dear folk, we need that visio faith in the 21st century. What do you say? As I said last week, everybody, I don't care who you are, where you've been, where you've come from, 
everybody is dealing with something. But here's the thing that the child of God has that the world doesn't have. We've got Vizio. I may not have shoes, but by faith I see the shoes that I'm going to put on and I'm going to walk around heaven one day. My, may, my body may be racked with pain, but as Paul says, one day I'm going to take off this tent. But one day I'm going to have something different. Here's the thing that God has been working with me with over the last year. God is helping me to fully begin to grasp the sovereignty of God. And if God is sovereign and God knows all, whatever comes into my life, he knew it was going to come ahead of time. Which means he's given me enough grace already to endure it if I'm willing to turn it over to him. Which takes us now to part two of our series here, The Work of Faith. Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, and the spirit is not the Holy Spirit, it is breath. What the Old Testament called ruach. The New Testament called pneuma. It is the breath of God. For as the body is without the spirit is dead, so faith without works, what? Is dead also. Here is where the tension between faith and works begins. And this is the message that I believe is central to James' message here. And that is understanding the relationship between faith and this thing we call works. And just for the record, this is not something new. For this tension that you and I deal with today has plagued the Christian church from the very beginning, especially those who were Jewish believers, because they had heard what Paul said when he said, you shall be saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ alone. That message had been cemented in their minds. But then here comes James and muddies up the water by saying, but without works, you, your faith is dead. Remember, it was this teaching of salvation by faith through grace alone. It was at the central or the heart of the great reformation. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther, when he read the epistle of James, he was so confused by what James was saying, faith without works is dead, that Martin Luther was quoted as having said, when it comes to the the letter of James, it is an epistle of straw. Ouch. In other words, it can't stand on anything. It has no foundation. So what in the world is James talking about here? As I've always said, if you want a fuller understanding of God's word, go back and look at it in its context. Amen? Amen. Too many times we look at one verse, one passage, and we get a misunderstanding of what God's word is trying to say. But what does James mean when he says, faith without works is dead faith? Let me give you a quick review of chapter 2 of James. 
In the beginning of chapter 2 of James, James creates a scenario in a church where he shows our human behavior. He says, one man will come into a church and this man will be rich. And because this man is rich and he's all decked out, you will give him the best service. You will give him the best seat in the house. But then another man comes into the church and he is poor and he's not decked out with the best of clothing. You won't even give him a seat. You'll just tell him to find a place to stand. Better yet, if you give him a seat, you'll tell him to sit at your feet. So James says, you've got a problem with showing partiality. Now in verses 8 to 13, he gives us the solution to the sin of partiality. He says, treat others the way you desire to be treated. In other words, follow the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Anybody ever live in Brooklyn? Then you can understand this. One day I'm driving down the street, driving down Atlantic Avenue from Queens into Brooklyn where I passed it. And I see this car and, you know, New York is known for a lot of things, best pizza in the world. But New York is also known for its bumper stickers. So one day I'm driving down the street and I see this car and I see this bumper sticker and I say, it could not have said what I thought it said. But as I got closer upon that car, I couldn't believe it. This is what it said. Do unto others, then split. I kid you not. If I had a cell phone back then, I would have taken a picture of it. In other words, say what you want, do what you want, but don't wait around to see what your words or what your deeds are going to lead to in somebody else's life. So James says, if you want to deal with this issue of partiality, treat everybody, listen, the way you want to be what? Treated. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and part two of the series, We've Come This Far by Faith, with his message, The Work of Faith. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, starting 91.9, um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are and I am forever grateful for, for the WGS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And having faith is an important step in one's journey. But there's another element that often goes missing. And the world has noticed. Charles Tapp shares the importance of backing up our words with action. In part two of his series, we've come this far by faith with his message, The Work of Faith. Now we move on to the latter part of James. 
For James is basically trying to get his readers to understand that faith has to move from being theoretical to being practical. In other words, James is saying it's one thing to to have faith that works one day a week. But James is trying to get them to understand you need the kind of faith in your life that doesn't just work one day a week. You need a kind of faith that works seven days. It's got to move from being theoretical to being practical. As someone once said, some Christians are so heavenward bound, they're no earthly good. And some of us have that kind of faith. So James is trying to get his readers to understand faith in the terms of being practical Christianity. Now let's go to James chapter 2, 14 to 17. He says, what does it profit, my brother, If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith do what? Save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? What does it profit your faith? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have what? Works, it is dead. I hope you see the point that James is making. For salvation by works is not his contention at all. His issue is calling us to examine whether our faith is genuine faith or whether it's dead faith. For the possession of a genuine faith in God is only as valuable as the works that are generated by thy believer in their life of faith. James is saying, how can you say to a Christian brother and sister who is destitute, who is daily in need of food, not just one day, he's saying this is a, not a temporary situation with them, this is an everyday thing with their lives. They don't have food. And when you come in front of them, you encounter them, your advice to them is, go in peace, my brother, for you will be warmed and you will be filled instead of taking care of their needs. When you encounter somebody who hasn't eaten for days and their clothes are falling off their backs, I'll pray for you, that's not enough. James says, listen, if you really have a relationship with God that is genuine, you won't just say, I'll pray for you, but you will put some works behind your faith. And that's where the church many times has failed miserably. How many times has this been our response when we encounter someone in need? I love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says. He said, listen. Faith should not be a profession with our lips, but it should be a possession of our lives. In other words, if we've got genuine, authentic faith, it's more than lip service. It's more than a mere intellectual belief. If we truly have genuine faith, it means that we're willing to roll up our sleeves 
and help somebody out. Look at this quotation by George Whitefield, the great Anglican preacher who was uh, part of the, the Great Awakening in Europe. Look at what this quote says. It's a very powerful one. He says, a true faith in Jesus Christ. What kind of faith? A true faith. A true faith in Jesus Christ will not suffer us to be idle. No, it is an active, lively, restless principle. It fills what? The heart so that it cannot be easy till it is doing something for Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? True faith, James says, has to transcend lip service, but it's got to have works. James isn't saying works are what we do to gain favor with God. James is saying works is what we have as a result of being in relationship with God. He doesn't see our works as trying to work for salvation. He sees the works of our faith as the fruit of our salvation. Amen? And that's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Look at it quickly. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of what? Angels, but have not what? Love, I have become sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. In other words, Paul is saying, if your works are not generated by love, all you are doing is tooting your own horn. All you are doing is making a lot of noise. All you are doing is trying to impress God and man, and you are accomplishing neither. And here's the point that I want us to get. Paul is making a contrast, a distinction between love and these other works. And here's basically what he's saying. Love, he calls it a work, but love is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, he's saying when you have the Spirit of God working in your life, you will have all kinds of work, works of love, works of patience, works of joy, the whole list, the entire gamut. But it's not something you're doing to try to gain favor. It is something you are doing because you have favor with God. It is a byproduct of being in relationship with him. So James, he really could have made it a lot easier if he had simply said, faith without fruit is dead. That would have made it a lot easier. Faith without fruit is dead. But he said, faith without works is dead. He just wanted you to think. Because the works that he's talking about is the very fruit that Paul is talking about. And Paul and James are saying the exact same thing. So when James says, faith without works is dead, in essence he is saying, faith, that living connection that you and I have with God, without any fruit, it is dead. Now here's the issue. Some of us think, well, I don't have faith. It's not that you don't have faith, it's just that your level of faith is stuck at a census. It is stuck at that intellectual belief that I believe a certain thing, but that's not enough. And James says that if that's all the faith you have, it's still faith 
but it's dead faith. Did you hear what I said? It's still faith, but it's dead faith. What is this? It's a balloon. But when you have a balloon, is this is how you want your balloon? You want your balloon what? Filled. You want some spirit in it. And the spirit is talking about the breath here. What is this? A what? This is not rocket science, folk. Which balloon would you rather have? The first one or this one? This one. It's the same balloon. One is filled. The other is empty. James is saying, you may have faith, but you only have the first dimension. You just have a mere intellectual belief. But you've got to move from there to having living faith. And living faith has to have fruit. He used the word works. It's the same thing. You know, there's a song that I listened to on WGTS by Casting Crowns. It's a song that's very popular over the last several years. It's called, If We Are the Body. You know that song? Listen to the chorus. I'm not going to sing it. You can stay right where you are. (laughs) It goes like this. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them that there is a way? You know why his hands aren't moving? You know why his feet aren't going? Because we have dead faith. We have faith that hasn't moved past the first dimension. And because it hasn't, We're trying to produce our own works. And we're frustrating ourselves, we're frustrating others, and we're frustrating God. For when the people of God allow the Spirit of God to fill their lives through this faith relationship we have with him, we will be so busy doing works, we won't have to worry about We won't have time to think about whether we're saved because salvation won't even be an issue with us because we know we're saved, so we need to get about doing our work. I don't know about you, but I want faith that goes beyond a census. I want faith that has fiducia, fidelitas, and visio. In other words, I want living faith. Because I don't know about you, if the church doesn't have a living connection with God, all we can do is tell people, I'll pray for you. One of the reasons why the church in these last days is not as popular as it should be is because that's exactly what we're telling them. We'll pray for you. Go to the government. They'll take care of you. But we'll just pray for you. Foolishness. Either we're the church or we're not. 
I want to be the church that has works, not because I'm trying to gain favor with God, but has works because I'm connected by faith to God. If we have that kind of faith, listen to me. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. If we have that kind of faith, we will turn Tacoma Park upside down. And if all we have is an intellectual belief, all we can give our people is good luck. I'll pray for you. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Work of Faith. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because, listen, anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Amen? For those who believe and have fought the good fight, there is a reward coming. And it's something worth waiting for that can't be measured in human standards. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp shares the third and last part in this series, We've Come This Far by Faith, by explaining the important role faith plays in our lives. With his message, the reward of faith. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.